0: Great to be here today, great to see everybody here, and as you can see outside, uh, you can see our church a lot better now, uh, <laughs> so we have a lot more exposure, and you can see the logs piled up, appreciate all the guys that were here helping out, guys and ladies, uh, doing a lot of hard work on the, on the place, and uh, as you can see throughout town, there's a lot of places that got hit pretty hard by the storm, but uh, uh, we're just thankful God kept us safe, And we're thankful that uh, we have opportunity now to do some different things in our yard. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, I want to continue our series today on Songs of Summer. And as summer kind of, it felt like a little bit now for the last little bit here where it's actually been warm outside. And uh, I'm about to take off, like uh, Ken said, and I'm going to Kentucky on Thursday. And I'll be there for two weeks. And then because Kentucky's not hot enough, I'll be in Houston for a week. And so th- I hear that's warm. And so we'll be doing, last year we did some work right on the street of Atlanta uh, as part of our doctoral work. And uh, I don't know what we're doing in Houston this year. But I've never been to Houston before, so I'm excited about that. But pray for me while I'm there. Pray for me that I don't melt. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, all the southern guys seem to be just fine. And I do have an opportunity to minister with people from all over the world, and I have friends from Nigeria, Ethiopia, in, India, all these different countries that meet me there. And so I have a great opportunity just to minister with brothers and sisters throughout the world. Um, so we want to talk today about the Songs of Summer. We've been talking about some prayers, some laments that David would say, you know, woe is me, this, the things are going wrong around me. But then he would turn to say, yet God is in control, yet God can do all these great things. Last week we talked a little bit about uh, praising God, and we want to continue with that today in Psalm chapter nine, but we want to see the fact that praising God is not something that is conditional. Praising God is not something that happens when we feel it. Okay, um, I've been in the grown up as a Pentecostal. I've grown up in uh, more lively churches, and it's always you know I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the the Holy Spirit. I'm feel I'm getting v- vibed up or. I'm having a great day. I'm feeling God's blessings. What about we praise God when everything's going wrong? When when the enemy is coming against us? When when David? I mean, there's a lot of stories about David where you know his enemies were coming against him. People were spreading false rumors about him. Uh, if you want to talk about the, you know, I was here, but people talk about bullying, like this is a new thing. And uh, it doesn't make it any better, but it's been going on for years, and David would be a good example of a time he was bullied. He was bullied by Saul. False rumors spread about him. Um, had a spear thrown at him. That's a pretty extreme form of bullying, but he did. Okay? He, he experienced people making things up about him. He experienced people you know, coming at him from all directions. And as he's going to see in verse 13 of this, he says, O oh Lord, see my affliction for those who... Hate me. Okay, he is not talking about. There's some people that maybe aren't so nice to me today. There are people that hate him. There are people that have such extreme feelings towards him. And what does he do during this time? He starts praising God. It put might put some perspective on all of us because if we look at the trials of David and we look at what he went through and we look at people throughout the Bible, we need to understand. That when we come to church, when we, we make our time to praise God, that it is, it is not conditional. It's not conditional that things are going well. It's not conditional that the kids are behaving or, or life is going well or that new job or whatever you were looking forward to or the relationship. It's not conditional. It's based on because the, the only condition is is who God is and he never changes. And we're going to see that today in David's attitude First of all, if you look at Psalm, beginning of Psalm, it's Psalm chapter 9, starting with verse 1. We'll just skip to the verse 1. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing your pra- praise to your name, O Most High. It's not based on a feeling or a present situation. We as Christians, again, do not praise God only when everything is going well. We praise God because if we did that, we would we would never praise god or we would be delusional. Have you ever been around somebody where everything's going wrong and they say everything's going right? Usually those people have, you know, some issues that we need to talk to them about. You know, everything's just going great. No, you're everything's falling apart. Okay? They're they're delusional. And but we're not delusional as Christians. We realize that we live in a troubled world. We realize that things are not going the way they are, but we realize also that we have a great god that is beyond anything that we endure in this world. So we come to praise God. It's not, I praise God because everything's perfect or everything's right. So many time, I've had so many people tell me, it's so easy for you, Pastor, to praise God, because things in your life aren't going poorly, or you never have any problems. I, I mean, it's amazing to me. I don't know if you've had that as Christians, people come to you. Well, as Christians, you don't have any problems. Things are going well. I wasn't aware of that. I mean, everybody else is here is going, wow, if Pastor John doesn't have any problems, how do I sign up to be a pastor? It's easy. I mean, life is good. But that's not the way that it is. Now, I can tell you this. A lot of times when I have people tell me those things, it's usually because they have done, uh, they see the effect of not living a sinful lifestyle. They will look at my life and say, wow, you, you know, it seems like things are going better for you. And I say, well, I'm not out getting drunk every night. I'm not out chasing women. I'm not lying and gossiping and doing this. So those do have a factor in this, and God does bless. But, don't, but just to understand that I still face the problems of this world, just like everybody else. I still face the storms. I still face the, the you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I know that God has control of it, so it gives me peace. It's not that I think that everything's great. It's, no, it's that I know that God will make it, well. I know that he will change things for his glory. I think w- really important if you look at this verse if you just look at this and look at it and say he is saying such a deliberate thing if you look at verse 1 it says I will give. In the middle of verse 1 I will recount verse 2 I will be glad and at the end of verse 2 I will sing. What does that say? This is what I'm going to do. There are some times when we just have to say, this is what I'm going to do. Tomorrow morning, I can guarantee it, if I took a survey, every, there's, we're not 100% here, we wake up tomorrow morning and go, thank God I get to go to work today. I'd so much rather do this than go up my boat fishing. You know, I've, in fact, it, I have an early morning job, at 6 a.m., thank God I get to wake up early. No, there are times you have to say, I will get up. All right, I will do this. I will, I will make this a priority in my life. It's like eating. What's the most fun things to eat? The things that are bad for us. And you have to make an I will not eat those. Okay, because if you just went with what was easy, we would do nothing. We have to make these decisions. And so, but we realize that making these decisions are the best for us. I will do what is best for me. I will praise God, even though sometimes I don't feel like it. I have to will it. I have to make it something that is important, something that I. I there's nothing that's going to stop it if I make that. I will. A good example of this is Paul and Silas. Every time I, I think about the uh, the early apostles, they amaze me. There's another story where they are taken into a. Uh, opportun- they are taken in by the. Uh, Jewish authorities, and they are beaten. And what do they do after they're beaten? They run out and they start praising God because they are found worthy to be beaten. Okay, that's a little different than our attitudes. You know, we're, we, we don't look at it that way, but I, I, I look at that and I say, wow, these guys have a different attitude. They have a different concept. I was worthy to be beaten. And here's an example of Paul and Silas. Um, it says what's happening is they're sharing Christ. And in Acts 16, it says, the crowd joined in attacking them. So they're being attacked by an entire crowd. And the magistrates tore the garments off of them, so they're being stripped naked, and gave orders to beat them with rods. None of this sounds pleasant. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. After I have this happen, what do you think the natural attitude is for a person? Oh, woe is me. Life stinks. God doesn't love me anymore. So what do Paul and Silas do? They say, I will. And they, it says in verse 24, having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened them with safety and stocks. So not only on top of that, he's got them fastened in the stocks. Okay, so they can't even move. And so what do they do? Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. So let me just tell you about this right now. They've just been beaten, stripped, put in stocks. They are praying and singing so loud that other people can hear them. So they're not just going, I guess I love God. It's okay. They are praying out to God, not because of their circumstances, because they trust in a mighty God that can take care of them. Again, they're looking at the situation and say, I will praise God in every situation. I will praise Him, I will praise Him, I will praise Him. I will give thanks to Him. I will give thanks that He carries me through. I will give thanks because He has something good in store for me, no matter what the circumstances happen. I've talked about this before. If my life is taken, if I have to give up my life, I have heaven on the other side. I will give thanks to Him in every circumstance. That is the attitude that God is calling us to do. And also, we should do it David says here with my whole heart. He's talking about giving with a whole heart. Are we doing that? Are we giving to God at church our whole heart? Are we distracted? Are we looking for opportunities to not praise God or are we looking for opportunities to praise him? Are we are we sitting there and thinking this isn't right. I'm distracted by this, distracted by this. Are we giving God our whole heart when we are here? How about people that say I'm not a very good singer? I've told you this before. I'm not a good singer because I haven't passed through puberty yet. Okay? And I'm expecting it to happen someday, but my voice still cracks. You'll hear it when I'm speaking sometimes. I have, I've stopped being embarrassed about it and just started laughing at it now. But when I sing, my voice cracks. So if you're next to me and I'm singing, you will hear weird things happen. Okay? And here's something I, I think it's important to understand. David wrote all of these songs... And all of these things. We don't know if David was a good singer. Okay? He sings, I will sing praise. And we say, well, David must have just been this wonderful singer and could just wow people with his voice. Again, I mean, Saul did throw a spear at him while he was singing, so maybe he was a bad singer. Okay? Maybe he really wasn't that good. And you think to yourself, I can only sing praises to God if I'm a good singer. Oh, I'd love to be like this person. I'd love to sing like Jordan and Josh do, and they can sing so well, and, but I can't sing. I'll sing praises to God anyways. God loves your voice. God, God isn't looking up and heaven, God, as soon as John goes through puberty, I'm really going to look forward to hearing him. Okay? We're holding that off on him. We're thinking about when he's 55, we're going to let him have that, you know, no more voice cracking. But it's important that we understand that God loves to hear us sing praises to him. When your child comes up to you and sings you a song, do you worry that the notes aren't right? Do you worry that it's not, that it's not perfect? You're thrilled that, he's, that they're singing to you. And that's who God is. We need to look. And wh- while we sing, we give thanks. It also talks about, I'll recount all of your wonderful deeds. Remember last week we talked about, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set the glory above the heavens. God's person and his creation, we should be just praising to God and say, we live in an area here in northern Minnesota where we see God's creation more than others. We see the stars. We see all that God has created. And we can say, what a wonderful thing we have. But also not only did he create a wonderful world, he is a wonderful God that has done mighty things in the past, and we recount his deeds. Recount the fact you may have the worst job in the world, and I've had some really bad jobs, trust me but you have a job, okay? Recount the fact that you are able to get up in the morning, uh, that you have a place to stay, that your salvation for your guidance, the promise of God being faithful for heaven, God's Holy Spirit being with you. And sometimes, you know what you need to do when you're going through a tough time? Find somebody who's going through a good time and rejoice with them. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. Find somebody who's having a good time and rejoice with them it can really lift you up. Because we're all going to be going through different times, and I think that's why God wanted us to do this. There's no jealousy. We're rejoicing because God is doing a great thing. God can heal one person. One person can be sick. We rejoice for the person that's healed. You say, well, why didn't he heal both of them? That's God. But we can rejoice. We can find something to rejoice about. How about the lives that have changed? How about the fact that you are saved and going to heaven? How about that somebody becomes a Christian? We can rejoice over that. We can rejoice over the fact that in Myanmar right now, they're going to receive the offering that we gave them. And, and girls are going to be going to Bible college this fall. And they're going to be changing a country that just a few years ago, I mean, it was just, they were killing people. There was a horrible civil war and they were keeping all the missionaries up. We can rejoice in that. And so we need to be rejoice in everything. We need to rejoice. I will be glad and exalt in you, David says. I will sing your praise to your name uh, It's so interesting that, that p- David sings his praise in the present, and God, who revealed His name, is he who has passed and promised for today and the future. In other words, he is singing as if God has already accomplished everything because God already has. We can sing with great understanding that God has everything under control. No matter what happens tomorrow when you wake up, God has it under control. It's just a 100% guarantee. I can't give you any 100% guarantees, but that is one. There's a great story. It's from uh, St. Francis of Assisi. He said, The worst moment for an atheist is when he is thankful and has nobody to thank. The converse of of this proposition is also true. The great saint may be said to mix all his thoughts with thanks. All All goods look better when they look like gifts. It is the highest and holiest of the paradoxes, that the man who really knows he cannot pay his debt will be forever paying it. He will, always be, he will always be throwing things away into a bottomless pit of unfathomable thanks. In other words, when we really understand who God is, we can never stop thanking Him. We can never stop thanking Him for all the wonderful things He has done for us. Next, we need to understand that we need to praise God for His power. Praise God that He has everything under control. We look at our world I have, uh, maybe you have it too, maybe you have something on your phone that has a news reader that pops up whenever there's a news story. You know, it could be CNN, Fox News, whatever, MSNBC. It'll pop up and say, shooting in Munich. You know, this person has just been killed. This horrible tragedy has just happened. Okay, and, 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 or you look on the news and it just becomes, what next? Our airliner goes down. Hot air balloon blew up yesterday. Okay? It seems like that we live in a world where, there, especially there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of people that are pointing at each other and saying, you know, there's so much hate and people are taking vengeance on one another. But we need to understand that God is in control of everything. And God is going to take care of our situations. Uh, he first talks about my enemies in verse 3 and verse 4 and my just cause. But you know what's interesting about this He lets God be the judge, not himself. Christians are not called to go out there and take on people and make judgments ourselves. We're not called to take up the sword. We're not called to do vengeance on other people. We're called to pray. We're called to call out what is right and wrong. But it's important to understand that God is in control. And David is praising God because he's saying the most evil people in the world, God is going to judge. They're not going to get by with it, okay? It's not like a situation where people are going to be like, oh, I I fooled God. He didn't see all the evil things I did. God is in control of everything. He says that God is a righteous God. We have hope because he he will look at this. And he speaks of all this judgment that he says that God is going to rebuke the nations. The wicked will perish. The enemy will come to an end. But he says the Lord sits forever in verse 7. In his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. In other words, God is there and he is going to look at the world and take care of the evil of the world. God will judge the wicked for what they have done. No one is getting away from it. Think about this. Um, what is the most common response that people give when they are caught for something? Well, that guy did it. I, I don't know if you, maybe you've never done that. I think I did it when I was a kid. Why are you picking on me? That person's doing the same thing. I'm talking in class, yeah, but how about that person over there? God in, God in heaven is going to handle the situations. God in heaven is holy and righteous. God has everything under control. And it's important to understand that it allows us to go through life, yes, we can be angry about sin, but understanding the fact that God is underst- knows what's going on and he's going to take care of it. Because I think one of the things that's so frustrating, whether you're reading a book, watching a movie, uh, looking at the news, yeah, I think what people are frustrated by is that some the bad guy gets by with it. At the end of the movie, who likes to watch the movie where at the end the bad guy's sitting there going, yeah, I won. Nobody caught me. Most of the time we like the movie where the bad guy gets taken to jail and they shut the door on him and say, you're done, bad guy. Okay? That's, the way, that's, that's what we cheer for. Okay? That's what we cheer for and, and everything because we know that there should be justice. We know that there will be justice of God. But you say, well, that sounds like God's being mean. No, God's not being mean because He is the one who gives us our own righteousness. He's the one who can make us righteous. And for anybody who accepts Him, they can be found not guilty. But understand the fact that, this, that we need to say we praise God that he is going to judge sin. That he's not going to just let everything go. Bible scholar Christopher Wright tells a story about a friend in India who was led to Christ by reading the Old Testament. Now a lot of people say, how did he get led to Christ by reading the Old Testament? Christ is, you know, we don't see Jesus Christ in the Old Testament as far as his name written up. He says, at the time, this man was taught engineering at a local university, and he had grown up among the despised Dalit community in his village, which is the outcast. And his whole family had suffered greatly at the hands of the high caste Hindus in his village. All kinds of harassment, violence, and injustice. He had a great thirst for revenge against his oppressors. You see, when we don't let God handle this, that's what happens. Oh, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. But you see how this changes. So he worked hard at school to get to university so they could get a job with some influence and power just, but didn't you see what his attitude was? Just so he could turn the tables on his enemies and really stick it to them. Okay? See the anger inside of him? But the day he arrived at university, he found a Bible translated into his language in his room. He had never read the Bible, though he knew that it was a Christian holy book. He opened it at random and started reading the story of Naboth and Ahab in 1 Kings 21. It's the story of the unjust King Ahab who uses his power to steal the land from Naboth, an ordinary farmer. The story had so many familiar elements. This was my story, he said. His family had also experienced theft of land, false accusations, murders, the brutality of the powerful against the ordinary people. But then he read on and was amazed to read about another man called Elijah, who in the name of God of the Bible denounced King Ahab and said that he would be judged and punished by God. This was astonished this guy. He said, the man said I, he had millions of gods with Hinduism to choose from, but he'd never heard of such a God as he was reading about in the Bible. Here was a God who took care of the side of the suffering ones and condemned the government and the powerful for their wicked deeds. He says, I never knew such a God existed were his exact words to me which I've never forgotten. As the man continued to read the Bible, He learned about Jesus, his life and death and resurrection. He also learned about the need to forgive. But his road to conversion started by meeting the God who is just, who takes the side of the oppressed. But see the difference there? You know what? Everybody here can talk about a time. We look in our world today and people talk about there's injustice, there's injustice. There are people that are being picked out for their class, for their race, for this. God is not overlooking that. God is not overlooking it. But instead of turning our rage and turning it into, we're going to get them, we're going to get our chance to get them, we need to understand that God's got it under His control. He will take and judge those who need to be judged. We need to look to Christ and say, God, I'm so happy I don't have to live my life in bitterness. I'm going to praise you today because I don't have to sit here and wonder, what, what am I going to do about this? You are the just God who takes my side and I can leave it in your hands. Because you know what? That bitterness is going to kill people if they let them do it. It will eat you in the inside when you let the bitterness and anger, the revenge that you think is going to be so good. God is calling out and saying, we should praise God that God has it in His control. Next, we should praise God for His protection. Verse 9, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in a time of trouble. And those who know your name Put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among it the peoples his deeds. Um, for he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord, see my affliction for those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises. Then the gates of the daughter of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they have made. In the net that they have hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Selah. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. You know what's important to also understand? If we feel overwhelmed, the Lord is the stronghold for the oppressed. If, today, if you feel like just everybody's, everything's on top of you, you can go to God and He is a stronghold. The word stronghold is a high place. And God protects you. We, David talked about earlier about being wrapped around by God, by His shield around me. That's who God is for us today. He is a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name put their trust in you. You've not forsaken you. In other words, you can go to God. He will not forsake those who love Him. He will never let you down. I will guarantee you this. Nobody in this life is perfect. I know that as a fact that I have let my friends down, I have not always been the best father, I have not always been the best husband, I have not always been all this. But God never fails you. He will be there wherever you are. There's not a time where he doesn't want to see your face. There's never a time that he's not there for you when you need it. For those who know your name, in other words, God has revealed them and he wants us, revealed himself and he wants us to come to him. Why emphasize you have not forsaken? Because during tough times, it may appear that God has forsaken us. It may appear, I mean, there's times that that people called out to David, Where is your God? Where is your God? In fact, there's all kinds of stories. I've been going through First Kings and, uh, and Samuel. And there were times that the enemy would come to the gates of Jerusalem and they would say, where is your God? And, da- and David would say, call out to God or the king would. And God would say, I'm right here. And guess what? They're in trouble. <laughs> Simple. How about David and Goliath? One of my favorite stories. What is Goliath doing? Where's your God? <laughs> Here's a little stone to the forehead, Goliath. What do you think of that? Okay. How about... David, how about Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Where's your God, Elijah? Uh, how about some fire from heaven? Is that good enough for you? In other words, the taunts will come, but we can know that we go to God and He is always there. No matter how oppressed we may feel, God is there. We praise Him because He never lets go. He, he talks about that, how about for the oppressed, the crushed, he has not forsaken the weak. It's easy to overlook those in the world. He, doesn't, he listens to the cries of the afflicted, the bullied, like I talked about in 13, the needy and the poor. God is there for them all the time. Verse 10 says, And those that know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you and will never forsake you. Ever. We need to walk around knowing this. We need to praise God knowing the fact that he will never, ever forsake us. Ever. And there's no situation, there's no place that we can go without him. Near the beginning of 2005, Chinese officials from the Public Security Bureau burst into a Sunday school room at a local church. They found 30 children inside and herded them into a van. Despite the scary situation, one of the children started to sing. In other words, hey, Paul and Silas time. Uh, in a few minutes, the van was filled with a the song. These guys were like, we heard a verse about this. Kids are great, okay? I, I mean, kids will just say, hey, the Bible says we should sing. Let's go for it. Adults would be like, oh, no, we're in trouble. Kids, yeah, we're having a good time, you know. I love kids about that. So the Chinese officials attempted to force the children to write. Or first of all, they took them to the police station. They marched, And the children were marched bravely into the interrogation room, still singing the entire time. Just love that. The trainees of officers attempted to force the children to write, I do not believe in Jesus. Tell him that they had to write it a hundred times before they would be released. Anybody have to write sentences when they're a kid on the board besides me? Okay, just the, kind of that same thing. It just reminds me that I do not know. Okay, I will not hit the kid next to me. But this, you know, this is their saying. You have to write a hundred times. Instead of obeying, the children wrote, I believe in Jesus today. I will believe in Jesus tomorrow. I will believe in Jesus forever. Because they took it seriously. They're praising God and took God seriously. Exasperated, the officials called the children's parents. And some, you know what? That's the sad part of this. Some of the parents denied Christ on the phone. The kids didn't. The kids are like, we're fine. We're singing to Jesus. However, one widower, believer, absolutely refused to deny Jesus when she came to pick up her twin sons. The officers threatened her, saying, if you do not deny Jesus, we will not release your sons. Love this response. The widow replied, well, I guess you have to take care, you'll have to keep them because without Jesus, there will be no way for me to take care of them. With no avenues left uh, open to them, the official said, take your sons and go. I, we praise God in every situation. And you know how the Bible talks about we need to come as children? They put us to shame. I think of this story, and I think of just the children. Just the Bible? Hey, Paul, I, I, they might have even thought of Paul and Silas. Hey, aren't we supposed to sing right now? Let's go for it. But that's the attitude we're supposed to have, the childlike faith in God. And we're praising Him. We're being interrogated by the officials. They're taking us into a scary room. What are the kids thinking? Let's sing to Jesus. Let's praise Him where we are. Lastly, as our musicians come forward, there's something that really strikes me about 19 and 20. It's the prayer of praise. It says, Arise, O Lord, let man not prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. This is a fascinating verse to me. And this verse has caught me more than this whole chapter because I think there are people who think they are gods. They kind of have a godlike complex. I have control over everything. There are leaders who have thought, I'm in control. I'm stronger than everybody else. And what he is saying here is, let people understand that they're not God, and they're not in control. Put in them the fear of God. Let them see their perspective. But you know what? I think this verse also comes back on us. We need to understand that we're not God. I cannot tell you tomorrow what's going to happen. I cannot tell you in five minutes what's going to happen. But God is completely in control. Let us understand that we are but men. We are but people. We have a limited perspective, but God can see everything. Don't, when you look at God, when God says, this is the way I want you to live. This is the way I want you to have relationships. This is the way I want you to act. He is doing it because He can see everything. He has the whole perspective in His, in his, in his eyes. He can see it all. We need to understand that God is calling us to realize that we're just people and we're praising a mighty God today. Not because we're, in, but in the chapter 8 he told us that God, it was wonderful that God is mindful of us, but we're still not gods. We're still not in control. We're still not above everything. And when we get that perspective, we realize the fact that God is someone to be praised because we are but men. Why don't we stand right now? If our prayer ministers could come forward. If you're here today and need someone to pray with you, you need someone to uh, pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. You know, we can praise God at the same time while we're crying out to God. Because remember all the laments that we read where David would say, you know, my own son's out to get me. My own son, Absalom, was trying to get his own dad and kill him. And David ended up the psalm by praising God. He he can say, this is not going well, but I can still praise God. But we need to understand that we have a God that we can pray to. There's a God that wants to hear our prayers today, that wants to see what we have, and, and wants to act on our behalf today. So if you're here and need someone to pray with you, we have prayer ministers available. But if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never made Him in control of your life, you've never had your sins forgiven because... You've never asked for them to be forgiven. You're carrying around the guilt of all of your sin. You, are not having, you don't have Jesus Christ in your life. You don't have the assurance that David has here. You need to make that decision, today and talk to one of our prayer ministers. But for everybody else, let's make this pact. Let's just go with what David says, that I will sing praises to God. I will give thanks. I will recount his deeds. I will make this a priority in my life. I'm not going to hold back because, God, I'm just simply a person. I don't have everything under control, but you know what? You've got my enemies. You've got my case. You've got everything under your control. I will sing praises to your name today because I know that you are a great and mighty God.